this episode, Dr. James Deegan tells us about a near-death experience and then a quantum leap forward after a spontaneous healing to his heart. He was on the list for heart transplant, but that was not needed. Let's listen in about experience of healing and self-discovery as Jim takes us through his healing journey. I've got Dr. Jim Deegan on the podcast today. Welcome to Life Alive, Jim. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Ryan. How are, uh, how are you doing? And thank you that we had this opportunity just to uh, be able to connect in, in real time. Me too. We are in an interesting time in history, right? So the COVID-19 virus is going on right now. And um, <clears throat> aside from that, just this kind of unique um, opportunity to connect to more people. I know I personally have been connecting to, to people I haven't connected with in years, like maybe a decade or more, right? So I just want to ask you before we get into your healing story, what's on your heart today? Well, you know, it's like the world is, is in an intentional timeout or an intentional uh, push the pause button to slow down, to reflect, to connect uh, inward and outward uh, to those around us. Or for those living alone, it's a, good, um, it's a good awakening or awareness that, especially our, in the North America here, the elders in our society traditionally have been at the center of society, but um, I don't know how for long how long it's been right now, but it tends to be more on the periphery. They tend to be forgotten. They tend to live alone. And so, you know, it's been on my heart too that so many that live alone um, desire connection. And the younger generation can sometimes go, go, go. And this is the, you know, the pause button that helps us hopefully remind us that those people that are alone, you know, like you just said, to call, to connect, to use this technology, to FaceTime, quote unquote, um, and also just, just uh, marinate in how they feel and how their day-to-day life goes. And so more inclusion, right, instead of exclusion, especially the seniors in our, in our life to sit like different tribes would at the feet of our elders and just um, just share, you know, and listen uh, to what comes out of their heart. What's the wisdom? What are the nuggets? What are the pearls that we can um, pass on to, uh, to us and to the generation coming behind us? So this is a time for me to just, you know, reflect on those that, that are on the periphery as well as internally, you know, the picture of the cross, whether you're a Christian or not, has a vertical piece that suggests us to go vertical or to go inward and upward, and then a horizontal piece that says, hey, who in this plane or on this, on this earth do we need to circle up with that's right next to us? And it could be you know, our loved ones. It could be a neighbor six feet away. And um, you know, just who around us is, is our nucleus or, or our family. So, just been a lot of reflection on that um, while I also, you know, look at the needs that I have spiritually, emotionally, physically, and mentally. Mm. So what would you say on the other end of the spectrum? I know that you have kids. Is this an opportunity to teach them some lessons about life 
and come alongside them? What have you been, what have some of those conversations with your kids been like? Man, I love your heart, Ryan. You know, just, you, you know, we've talked about this a while ago too on how to ask a better question. Boy, you really asked some great questions. And uh, this is a great time, a perfect time. When would now be a perfect time to do it? And that is to circle up with our children to speak into their lives, right? When the Netflix and all the uh, social media stuff has gotten exhausting. When we look around at our children, this is a time when we get to connect with them. And I say get to, it's like a privilege because when was the last time a person was a father or a mother? Um, never. So on this plane, uh, right now, now would be the perfect time to, um, to do what we possibly can, right, to teach them that we do need alone time. So I mean, I need some time to, to relax. Uh, they also need time to, to take a nap. But doing creative projects together, um, my children have been doing, um, they fixed the basketball goal outside. Uh, they saw that a neighbor had a broken, you know, hoop, so they decided they were going to fix theirs. What a great time just to, um, to kind of uh, let them, you know, do those fun things. Um, you know, I have three children, so it's good to, to see them all three at once, but I really found that um, you really don't peer into their hearts unless you get them one-on-one. With boys, they tend to be doing something, so it's playing basketball, it's throwing a ball, it's uh, you know watching my son do skateboarding, and I'll jump on there with him. And, and then conversations seem to flow with my daughter. It's just taking a walk or just sitting and peering into her eyes. They, women, you know, wherever they're at, but my daughter tends to connect face to face, real real time FaceTime. So I've been using that time as well as, you know, showing them that mommy and daddy need time together to connect with one another because the pace of life can be so busy. So um, yeah, these are these are great times and I and I get it. Especially our kids now are 13, 15, and 18. So our 18-year-old, we've been trying to do a little drive time, like he's driving, get more experience on the road when there's not as much traffic. But when you have younger kids, I mean, it's full-on, full-throttle, like it's fast. So, you know, spending time with them and also letting them know that we all need time to kind of, you know, play like creative play, you know, younger kids need time to, to just have nothing coming at them, nothing streaming, basically just streaming in their mindset and their imagination. Um, and so when the puzzles and the, um, you know, all the games, you know, kind of run their race, then it's time to just kind of, uh, you know, everybody get, get a little time, time to, uh, to just sit back and relax. So, um, especially parents, you know, when they're young like that, they definitely need that, uh, that little break. So, um, you know, wear them out a little bit and let them take a nap. <laughs> but my heart goes out to the parents that definitely have younger kids that are just, you know, they got to get that energy out. So just, you know, keep them busy, maybe take some bike rides, run with them, play some games, wear them out and let's take some afternoon naps. <laughs> yeah. I live in Colorado and I mean, there's a lot more open space out here than some other states. So I feel blessed in that, but I have never seen 
so much creativity just walking through the neighborhoods uh hopscotch um uh, courses that span the entire block i saw kids out there building little um what seemed to be like little stores um and shacks you know to play in and the number of people out and about um and then also just hearing that from my clients as well i'm sure you are too is just people are looking to reconnect to nature as well and so speaking of, of that nature um let's go back in your life a little bit i want to go into your to the heart of the matter of your healing story um start us off with telling us um, how long ago this journey began and bring us up to like where you um you kind of landed yourself in the hospital give us a little yeah thank now. you ryan um so i got accepted into chiropractic school from my undergraduate school in um in 94 the um the spring of 94 I started my journey down here in um, the end of May, in 94. And you've I took been one class. For, I'm just going to stop right there. How long have you been practicing chiropractic now? 22 years. 22 years. Okay. So this is uh, well over 20, 20 years ago. This all began. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. And so I, I started my chiropractic journey and uh, went down to Life University. I grew up in New England, Massachusetts, um, decided I wanted to come down here and, and uh, a friend of mine had encouraged me to go to Life. My chiropractor at the time had encouraged me to go down to Life Chiropractic School in Marietta, Georgia. So I set off on the journey. Um, at the time, I was engaged to, to a woman and um, and so we both moved down to Georgia together and we uh, set off on the journey. Um, it was that summer I had taken um, one class to get up to speed um, to start the chiropractic program in September of 94, 1994. Um, but that summer I was working at a car wash and it was outside and it was really hot. It was, it was actually, uh, the time when people would joke and, and call Atlanta hot Atlanta, it seemed to be, you know, a hundred and we, we would have fires that would uh, spring up on, um, off the highway down towards uh, Florida. And so anyway, um, I, I took my class. I was working at the car wash. It was really hot out. Um, the relationship I was in was ended up being very, wasn't emotionally, um, uh, it was very toxic for both of us. It was um, not growing together, um, but more growing apart. And so that was a lot of stress in a new environment. And um, I'd basically grown up my whole life about 23 years. Um, it was about 23 at the time when I uh, moved to, to Georgia. So I grew up in New England for my whole life. So a new environment, a new setting very hot my body definitely wasn't used to any of it and under a lot of different stresses mental stress physical stress so the combination of all that seemed to weaken my immune system and um this was labor day weekend of of uh in 1994 
I began feeling one day after the car wash, I, I started feeling really, really fatigued. I had actually walked home after about nine hours at the car wash outside, came home and uh, was just beginning to, to, uh, to just collapse and have vomiting and diarrhea and just, um, just a lot of symptoms that where my body seemed to be in distress. And so at the time I, I figured, well, you know, I'll be able to get through this. I don't, you know, I don't know what's happening, but um, it's amazing how things are said in the moment that you need to hear. And so even though the relationship was not supportive, she said that, you know, your family will support you. You know, you have a health insurance or crisis insurance. Uh, maybe you should call the ambulance and, you know, kind of that male sensation inside me and that desire to to kind of um just dig my my heels in at first it kind of flew over my head but then the more i sat with it, i said you know i think my body's really in trouble right here and so i called the ambulance and as it turned out um a normal regular virus uh they call it a coxsackie virus which you know has also been been shown with uh foot hand and mouth basically just something that, that people tend to uh, get a virus like anything else and your body goes to attack it. My immune system was really weakened. Everyone else at the, uh, the car wash was exposed to the same virus and, you know, no, uh, no symptoms. My, my body was essentially shutting down. Um, the emergency crew had gotten me. My eyes were yellow. Uh, I had petechial hemorrhages where the blood vessels were just bursting. The, the kidneys were shutting down. And the virus was was into my heart and just shutting down my heart. And so uh, they took me to a hospital that wasn't too, too far away. Um, and when I got there, um, you know, they began working on me and doing what they do so well in emergency medicine, just trying to stabilize everything and, um, and had put me into intensive care. Uh, it was the evening time, and so when I was in intensive care, it was very quiet. I mean, you know, going from an ER and going from an ambulance ride is very noisy, but um, in the ER, it was very quiet. And I had a time to really reflect um, while the doctors kept saying to my mom and other family members that um, they didn't know if I was going to survive the evening or that, that night, um, but I had a sense of... of of peace, peace because um, uh, everything in my life was chaotic at the time. And so the quiet was almost a craving at that time. Also a peace because I, I felt almost the presence of um, God or the divine in just being in a place of just ease and knowing that I was supported and knowing that I, that I was cared for and that things would be okay, even though my physical body did not know if I wanted to go on or continue living. So one week goes by and at the end of that week in intensive care, I heard a lot of, you know, prognosis, diagnosis, all kinds of things, but I felt in my spirit the whisperings of almost, you know, the heavenly realm that to maintain a state of ease and peace, to maintain a state of complete, um, 
positive nature. So anybody that came up with a diagnosis or anything else, I would, I would come, I would quickly say thank you very much, and I would not uh, take it in as a fact or or any kind of negative uh, connotation. Uh, the fact that I didn't really know too much about my situation was a real blessing at the time, and it's actually a reminder in today's time for me to go back to that state of um, that the body is always in a state of healing. And so in that time, you know, I maintained as, as positive a mad attitude as I can. Um, I met a nurse at one point when I was at a really low period. I felt like there was just a lot happening. Um, you know, people can call and have experiences. Um, but for me, it felt like that was an angel, an angel that appeared and I never saw her again and no one else knew who she was either. But she said, you will get 100% better and you will heal through this. And the calmness and the peace um, led me through to the next series of events that I went into a, uh, a surgery where they took a piece of the heart to just do a biopsy to check and see what was happening. And then I had a, an amazing experience in the natural realm, you know, because when I talk about more the spiritual realm, you can almost say it's more supernatural. But in the natural realm, I was doing an echocardiogram where they were using an ultrasound to see how my heart was functioning because at the time they were saying that it was, you know, less, less than, uh, than 40% where it was ejecting the blood. It was very weak. And I remember talking to the nurse and she said, you know, well, how come you're in Georgia? What, what are you doing? And I said, well, I said, I had this, this, um, I had this desire and I don't really know, but it's a very strong desire to be a chiropractor. And I know that it's about natural things, but for some reason I'm drawn towards healing and more things natural and giving the body a chance. And the more I began to talk to the nurse, we began to, I began to feel an even stronger sense of, of peace and my heart just opening up with so much gratitude and love for life and just even just the bliss of what would happen next. Um, the nurse was amazed that the numbers began to change before our eyes things began to improve looking at it in the natural realm and the natural numbers and on the ultrasound, the echocardiogram, the heart began to improve. The ejection fraction began to increase. It was that next day that the cardiologist came in and had said, I don't know how you did it, but you, your heart is 100% healed. And she was a bit frustrated because she wanted to do a new, new procedure. I was at the, at the place where they were talking about a heart transplant or uh, a pacemaker at the very least. So when she left the room, I just, my heart in the supernatural and just that place in the center of all of us was so cracked open of gratitude and thankfulness. First, that I believe that the supernatural hand of God had touched my heart and being very clear on that. And then the peace and the gratitude I had for all the 
the precious medical staff and the people that work from their heart in a place of service um, to all these amazing people there. Um, I was, my heart was just blown open. I just completely sobbed, was weeping for about an hour of just such a state of being on the balance of the realm of, you know, life and death, having peace with that. But at the same time, knowing that, wow, I get to go from this, this time forward to see where this adventure, to see what's next. There's so much to impact there, but I just want to say <laughs> that that's amazing that you had the respect of the power of your thoughts and how that would actually play into the final result. Let's back up and just, I want to ask you, when I'm going to play devil's advocate and say, if I'm a person that is in a healing situation and I feel like I need to know every detail, I need to know every diagnosis, I need to know every single thing that they're going to do on the procedure, how does that add or how does that, what would that detract from the actual healing and the power of your thought process in that, in that time or in that period when you're in the thick of it? Yeah. You know, for each person, you know, listening right now to this podcast, just search your own heart. Uh, what are those things that encourage you? What are those things that limit you or may put a damper on your beliefs or from moving forward? For me, having too much information was, would have shut me down. Um, for some people, it's the door that opens you up to the next step. Some people are so, um, check that box. Okay, great. I know where I'm at. And now I can go to the next level. And so for me, it's, it's so interesting how, you know, when we were just talking about the children and having time for their imagination, I spent a lot of time um, growing up just by myself and riding bikes and in that imagination. The interesting thing is when I was in the hospital, you know, I enjoy movies and I was imagining this movie, um, it was Steven Seagal, uh, you know, uh, what was it? Um, uh, Mark for Death, I think it was, where, you know, he had gone through a healing time. He had just come out of a coma and he had all these you know, acupuncture needles. And it's just interesting how I, how I was almost visualizing myself as if, you know, I was in this state, uh, like Steven Seagal, in the state of healing, um, in a state where, um, I could use my mind to to try and, uh, you know, I would, I would breathe and I could see the machines kind of decrease. So in that sense, some of that, I was very interested. I, I could drop my, my heart rate down. I could drop my pulse rate down. When I found myself going to a place of anxiety, I could tune into my breath and I could change the, the rhythms on the, uh, on the machines. Um, but I needed to have total trust. Um, and what today we would call 
if your body is healing for you, then maybe we can be for it. And so um, having that mindset for me was very important. For other people, it, it really might be that you need to know every step of the way so that you can almost like climbing the rungs of a ladder, you can go to the next level. Uh, none, none of it's wrong. None of it's, um, it's just unique for each person. So for me, it would have shut me down. Um, to, for me, knowing too much um, would have taken me to a place where I would have been in fear and not in faith or in support of my body. Yeah. So there's a deeper truth here is that there's so many stories that I hear when I'm doing these interviews and it seems to come down to, there's not just one path. Um, but it's what you said is that if you are aware that your body is actually healing for you and trying to survive, then maybe perhaps that's where you can focus your thoughts. And tell me about, did you, I want to talk about the power of spoken word because you said a couple of times, just even hearing a word, uh, even though you were in a toxic relationship, she said something that hit a, a button inside you that said, okay, I, I think she's right. Maybe I do need some help here. And then also you said that you heard the nurse that you encountered, um, what you, you know, who you call an angel. Um, speak life into you. So how did that affect you in, in your life now with your clients? With From that point forward, how did it change how you spoke to people and how you spoke to yourself? Yeah, you know, it's for all of us, it may not be the primary love language or the primary motivator for people, but I think we can all agree that a kind word goes, can go a long way. And for some people can go a really long way. Um, and words do have power, um, in many different scriptures and many different, you know, uh, uh, religions with many different spiritual pathways, you know, a, a word carries a vibration, a tone, a meaning, um, different, um, different traditions and tribes would speak a blessing over people. Um, it makes me really pause and choose my words, especially with rewinding the movie now and then fast forwarding the movie to me being a, a, a doctor of chiropractic, which is a teacher of life, health, healing, and well-being. No matter what a person says to me, if they've typically been already to a medical doctor or they've been on, you know, WebMD or any other place where they've gotten a label, um, it's really shown me that, that words matter and words carry a trajectory. And yeah, you're so right, Brian. Um, and there's a timing to them. I needed to hear those words right at that time to get in that ambulance because I was very close to kidney failure and later in life i've actually met people on kidney dialysis i've actually been adjusting people to allow their body to function at its very best while they're on kidney dialysis so i have such a gratitude for a timing and words can definitely motivate so it causes me to pause 
to breathe. You know, there's a funny saying that a friend of mine, you know, will say at the stop sign or at the stoplight, stop and do what the fine print says and breathe. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so when we pause and we stop, choose our words carefully, how, how can we build someone up, especially when it comes to any kind of diagnosis? Um, our mentor and our teacher, Dr. Arno Bernier, you know, a person may say, for example, I have cancer, or they could say I'm cancering. To add an IMG at the end of that is a complete change because it suggests that there's a process that was going in one direction that may be surviving. And then there's one process that we can be reversing or cancering and going to the healing direction, which is a process of rebuilding old cells dying and new cells being replaced, which is the law of cellular replacement. So words matter. And it causes me to really help build people up. But at the same time, um, let them choose carefully the path that seems right for them. You know, chiropractic sometimes may seem very radical, but we're actually very conservative because we're basically saying, let's give the body a chance first and then walk through the steps of healing. That may look like medicine. It may look like acupuncture. It may look like homeopathy or any number of things so it's really changed the linguistics um, and uh, the healing process starts with um, speaking into a person's life now listen they said I had at one point they said I had less than one percent chance now in this state it was very motivating for me because I said well I'm not I'm not going to check out at this point. Uh, there is 1% and there, you know, there's a movie called uh, dumb and dumber. You know, he kind of uses it on the other flip side of that. And he's trying to ask out a girl and, and, and she's like, you know, you know, there's like less than one in a million chance that we'd be going out. And he's like, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> So that was, that was my mindset. Ah, yeah. You're telling me there's a chance I can get better. I can heal. And by the way, laughter um, alkalizes the body. It creates a shift in our, our biochemistry that, that creates alkalinity where, where all children and infants start off alkaline. And they found that the, the disease process happens most in an acidic environment. So just laughter alone can change things. So um, in my mindset, I, I would laugh. It became laughable to me that um, I was not going to be the 99%. I was going to be the 1% for healing. And so when I speak to people, when they say they have a diagnosis or anything else, I say to myself, if there is a spark of life, there is a spark of hope. And so I will not put, that, put out that spark. Um, I will fan that um, spark like a fire. Um, into embers, into a roaring fire, into a brush fire of healing. And uh, I just got to go back to the typical guy. You know, if any guys are listening to this, you know, I get it. Walk it off forever, right? But in this situation, sometimes um, opening yourself enough to hear 
uh, what somebody else is observing and seeing you're in real trouble um, could just save your life. So I know that as a male, we tend to not, as a tribe, not take care of each other and not take care of ourselves very well. And so I love to hear this story from from a male and from a guy because, you know, at that point, that, that could have been the hour or two between life or death. So, and I'm glad you're here. Yeah. I'm glad you listened to the call. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, you said you were in a toxic relationship and I think this is, I forgot how much of a, a story this is about relationships. How did that change your relationships in how you choose relationships from there on out as well? This is something we're all going through right now. You know, just this time in history, we're all either really getting the opportunity to get close to people or we're also seeing maybe some things that we need to work on. Maybe we're experiencing some friction because we're all home right now. Literally as a world, we're all at home together. And so how'd that change your choosing and who you have relationships with? Yeah. Thank you, Ryan. It's, you know, at that time in my early twenties, it was more like um, everything happening fast, everything, you know, um, it wasn't necessarily listening to each other, uh, all, and especially not listening to myself because I had, I'd been such an advocate of health and healing and, and mountain biking and skiing and outdoor activity and martial arts. And here I was in a relationship where I just kind of stifled all of that. Um, I found myself in a, in a bar and, and shooting pool and smoky environments that I, you know, did not smoke. So it's interesting how we can kind of find ourselves in places that are maybe the antithesis of what we really want. Um, it's not wrong, but it's not right for, for us. So, you know, I, I first stifled my own loud inner voice of what would be nurturing to me. And then also, you know, over time I've learned, you know, what you just said, Ryan, it's like our words start in our relationships. First, a vertical aspect with ourselves and our spiritual connection. And then horizontally with who is coming alongside of us, who's next to us. It could be family, could be children, could be friends, could be coworkers. You know, at this time when you're by yourself, it's whoever's around you. So it starts with that inner conversation of, you know, now I rewind the movie of all my, my you know, relationships. <clears throat> and what did I learn from that? How, did, how can I grow from that? Now, you know, my early 20s, I, I didn't care about any of that. It was just go on to the next thing and, and just let that die. But I think when we get quiet, it can be really scary at times. And some things can float to the surface that we may want to push down. But then life can get busy and it gets suppressed. And then life can be on hold like right now with quarantine time, the, the uh, you know, COVID-19 virus where it's, it's causing people to go internal. Now, I tend to enjoy doing things by myself. Some people could say that's more like, you know, introverted. And, and I, I tend, that's how I kind of fuel myself. For other people, they tend to more external or extroverted or tend to get fueled or energized by, by people. Um, this can be a really challenging time for people where, they're alone with their thoughts. Now for me, I 
engaging other people is a time for me to to grow so that I can um, listen more to what's happening in other people's lives than than really what's happening in my life. So, um, yeah, rewinding the relationships, growing from are we supporting one another in our words and our actions of those around us? And even right now, just are we just using this time? And it could be a brief time, right? Because everybody's going to process this in their own time. Some people enjoy playing video games right now and, and Netflixing. But when we stop that just long enough, whatever that is for you, to listen, just um, I think connecting emotionally with ourselves and learning from the past so that we can as Dr. Sid, one of our mentors said, looking back to see ahead, um, we can we can rewind that and then we can look forward. So, <clears throat> yeah, this is this is a time where it's really caused me to scan and, and grow, right? Because if we're not growing, just like anything, it's it's it could be in a state of stagnation or or in uh, in dying or in a process of of uh, uh, plateauing and so um yeah using this time for whatever seems good in in small nuggets or in long chunks of time to just stop and listen mm. what are your so, thoughts on that ryan my thoughts um i want to go somewhere since it just presented itself that just this morning i was i tried to feed my my life in the, especially in the morning, um, I kind of feel like, you know, uh, throughout my life during the day, I'm just, um, you know, I get to lay the soil in which I will grow in that day. And it starts with the first couple of things I do when I be even before I get out of bed. And I was listening to something positive today to try to fill myself up. And one of the affirmations that kept coming back to me and I've sort of meditated on throughout my day and seeing clients and, and even going in this conversation is it, uh, it said in stillness, I find my true self. And, you know, we all have the ability to be still. And we also have the ability to be aware that some of us are not going to be comfortable in that. And some of us will actually learn that stillness brings us great peace and great serenity. And so I wanted to ask you about your time in the hospital since I feel like, um, I feel like the spirit just kind of brings things through that fit. I want to ask you, did you, in those moments, it seemed like you were pretty hopeful or you, you realized that the more that you were, you tried to be at peace and ease that um, that was you being for your body and, and, and in a sense putting yourself in a good soil to, to try to heal and grow. Did you at any point, because I don't know your upbringing uh, with if you had a certain spiritual um, household growing up or if there was a religion that your family clung to, but in that time in the hospital, let's just say somebody's at a low point at your low point. Did you feel more disconnected to everybody else or to spirit or to whoever you call your higher power? Or did you feel 
like abandoned and you felt like you were just on your own and you had to create um, a, a place in your head or your heart where you could just be. Well, in, in the North, I, w- I was brought to church a lot. My, my mom had, you know, we were uh, like more Presbyterian, I guess, but none of that really resonated with me. I, um, How so? I felt like, well, just um, now my mom was in the choir, so music was a way for me to really connect. It felt like that was a, a way to, uh, you know, to connect to a higher power. But I felt like I didn't get um, more connection uh, to God in church. I got more connection to God when I was in nature, when I was by myself, um, when I was listening. So that that became very valuable when I was in the hospital to just listen to those promptings or feelings or nudgings in my stomach and in my heart that felt like things were going to be okay. Um, you know, it seems like God, divine, higher power seems to meet you right where you're at. And, you know, even in the hospital, I was, you know, visualizing myself as Steven Seagal in the healing. So it's just wild how, you know, uh, right where you're at, you know, it's like uh, higher power, divine, mother, father, God, um, whatever you connect with um, is for you and there. So from a religious background became more just a spiritual connection to, to, um, to my, uh, you know, later, um, as I would read more of scriptures, you know, Jesus would say, um, a father, like a heavenly father. And we know in Hebrew father is also mother. So it's like a father, mother. And even today that movie, the shack really resonates with me that, almost like father, mother. But anyway, it's um, uh, from being, you know, in that hospital, you know, I, I knew that my family was, was really for me, but at the same time, it was a shelter away from arguing, away from the toxic words that were exchanged in that relationship. Uh, it was a peace. There was no smoking around me, my body. You know, remember when you were a little kid, right? You, uh, you would, you would uh, take your food sometimes, and this is what I did, and I would just kind of put it into a pile and just kind of make it look like I, I ate more because <clears throat> the nurses were so wonderful, but they wanted me to eat. But innately, it's almost like all animals, if they get injured, they don't really have a desire to eat. It's like all that energy is being used for healing. And so... <laughs> I would, uh, I would push my food into a little pile and I'd say, oh, you know, thank you so much. That was great. But I really just wanted things that were light, like, uh, like oranges or fruits and vegetables, things that were just very simple. And so um, on one aspect, I was connecting to more of just listening to my body physically and then spiritually. Um, <clears throat> that upbringing of... of uh, knowing that I wasn't alone. Um, I think one of the, the sayings that I said after that when I was in the hospital was, when you're alone, you're never alone. So um, for me, that connection with, with divine, you know, with mother, father, God is um, that I knew that I was being supported. I knew that healing was happening 
supernaturally as well as in the natural. Um, so what I know about the divine is like, don't, you know, meet you wherever you're at, wherever you're at on your, on your journey and your spiritual journey, you are supported. You are dearly loved and you are, um, not alone. And so there, there's a feeling that comes over you that creates a peace that you can't understand. You can't put a finger on it, but, um, you know, some people have, they've been, been to a spot, they've been in nature. Um, <clears throat> it's been said by our mentor that there's six ways that the heart generally opens. And that is when people are falling in love, right? Or falling out of love, the birth of a loved one or the death of a loved one. We lose someone that we're close to, right? Or an awakening or almost a heart moment of like, wow, a beautiful sunset. So an epiphany in nature where it's like you're just taken back by, uh, by just the beautiful surroundings. And then there's an epiphany or an awakening in, um, in a concert or music. Um, now, for me, none of this was, was true, but yet all of it seemed to be true because for me, my mom was a music teacher. And so music, anytime I would hear music in, in the hospital, in fact, some of my the songs that I loved the most would kind of just ring in my mind and just start to give me encouragement. When I'd look out the window, I so wanted to be outside in the, in the fresh air and the blue sky once again. I mean, that was important to me because I was outside, but you'd be surprised in the moment you're at, you'll, you'll look around and whatever seems to be important to you or something will come to the surface that you can cling to as like a life raft, literally a life raft of just being able to get a little bit of calmness, a little bit of, you know, peace in the next steps in the healing. Um, uh, was was very important to me, and so even the sounds of the, you know, in the hospital of the machines, or even just uh, the machines of of the air and the MRI that I was in became <clears throat> it became a, a soothing sensation. That's not true for everyone, but you, at times you'll use and you'll incorporate these sounds to to help you move to the next level. Mm -hmm. I know we're we're getting up close to the hour, so I wanna I wanna wrap this thing up with a couple different ideas. The last the last um, last few minutes when you're talking just came up to me that seems like a reoccurring theme and something I think is very underestimated is the power of imagination. And can you talk a little bit about that as it, in your own words, as it really would relate to healing? Well, I think it's so important that we do spend whatever time feels good to a person to, to get into our head, right? Where uh, we can use that imagination because at times it can be a spiritual, you know, I have like a, an imagination at times where I'm in like a glass elevator that goes into this glass tree house that helps me get out of the rain or the storms, quote unquote, of, the, of life. 
And, you know, if we're out of the storms, we can actually relax a little bit and kind of see things for the way they are. But so that's, that's something that, you know, part of that imagination helps me spiritually to take, to, to get out, um, you know, and seek shelter on uh, the storms. Um, I think today, you know, there's so many brilliant artists out here. So, you know, that, that can spur a lot of ideas for people to, to start to get, you know, uh, their imagination. I'm still one of those people that, uh, you know, if, if I start to draw, I have to either trace it or um, take my time. Otherwise, it'll turn into a little stick figure in a, in a hurry. So, you know, that right brain kind of accessing drawing is very slow for me. But um, when I see things, it sparks imagination. So I think today, especially with children, you know, an iPad or, or any kind of device or Android, is coming at people so fast that there's no time to, to stop and really think for themselves or imagine for themselves. And I think, you know, what you're saying, Ryan, is really, really important because it allows us to go to a place where you're, you're always able to create, you're always able to, to kind of adapt and grow. But if you're always streaming, so to speak, something, and that streaming ends, um, now what? So I think the power of creativity, the power of imagination is, is sparked in so many ways around us. Nature shows us so many ways from a flower unfolding to a child, like you said, riding bikes and playing with, uh, sidewalk chalk. It's spending time in a, in a place of the unknown in our mind, but it's so interesting what, what can come out of that. So. For me, I mean, now being in the listening and watching movies, it sparked my imagination. Um, looking at other artists and things that they've created sparked my imagination. Seeing what other people have created where, you know, Dr. Chandra in my office, her and her husband are incredibly um, creative. They took an old vintage camper and gutted it out and turned it into a mobile chiropractic office. Just brilliant and just super fun. And that's the other part of it is imagination should be fun. It shouldn't be boring, but it can take us to a world. And just like I was saying with the, el with the elders, to a life that sometimes can be forgotten. Um, it's, it's all sometimes our, our elders had, right? A person that might have been in wartime or a different time historically. That's all they had was a pen and paper or a pencil and, and they had to create or they got to, they say um, the musicians or those that have composed symphonies have done so by spending time in nature alone, listening and have written some of the most uh, incredible symphonies um, where they begin to see it on the screen of their mind, so to speak. And so I think it's, it's, it's an absolute essential piece. Um, but again, we have to be kind of slow drip it, um, not fire hose so that people can go from the reality of where they are to where they want to be. And that doesn't happen overnight by just, you know, breaking the iPad over your knee in front of your child. I mean, that, no, 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 no. Let's decrease the screen time. Let's 
increase the time together with puzzles and drawing. Even if we just sit there and scribble, something comes comes out of that. The, just that fun. There's um, adult coloring books now that they say creates even more uh, peace and and decrease brain wave um, increases the theta or the relaxing waves of the brain. So uh, there's so many different ideas, but I think it's a really critical piece in accessing our heart um, to begin to live from the inside out. Mm. So beautiful. I got this picture of, I see some trees behind you and <laughs> you know, one thing if uh, I really love plants and even just little house plants. And what I noticed is that they just always are, if they had real ears or eyes there, it tends to seem to me that there's no specific way that a plant or that life grows. It's just, it grows towards light. And it also openly receives nourishment. It receives water. If I plant that bulb in a pot and I put more soil around it, more nourishment, more landscape, more space for it to grow, it just will. And so I think the cool thing about your story is that you just were sort of like a plant. It didn't matter where you were or what people said to you, you, you remained open. Um, and it's so interesting that your heart was shutting down, but you were keeping your heart open as well mm. on an energetic level. And I think that you hit it on the head when you, you said that, you know, maybe the first thing that we do is pause. Um, I want to end this with how I often do is just, you know, your thoughts on finding the gratitude in this. I know that the four parts of gratitude are first noticing and then noticing what you notice, then we are able to think. And then we get into the feeling because thinking is more linear and oftentimes triggers the left side of our brain. Feeling will um, spark the heart. It will spark inspiration. It will spark more breath, more growth, more right brain activity. And then the last thing we do is actually do. So uh, I heard you saying that often in our 20s or when we're younger, we're just do, 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 do. Oh, that sucked. Okay, do, do, do. And we never really <laughs> catch on that just doing isn't everything, you know. I have this, used to have this saying in college myself. It's just kind of like, if it feels good, do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I just thought that was the best advice ever. I think I even had a shirt that said it. But um, we quickly find out in times such as you were in that we're forced to notice and pause. So um, in wrapping this up, what are your thoughts on how people can remain grateful during a time when they're healing or if they're even through a healing, you know, what meaning can we make of it? What are some ideas to you know, how important is it, no matter what we go through, to, to make meaning out of that? So your thoughts on gratitude and meaning to, to end up. Oh, that's so good. There's, yeah, like you said, there's so much to unpack there. We can keep going on for hours. And that's what I invite everybody to do, just keep these conversations going with themselves, with those they love. And, and uh, so the notice what you notice, it's like 
you know, I'd said supernatural. I'd, I'd met people in the past that were praying for me that I had never met before. I started to see the power of prayer and the power of other people that you don't even know sending you love, sending you light, sending you healing and how important that is. And um, growing supernaturally or from that which is, doesn't seem natural. And then the natural part, it's amazing how the people, you know, our mentor Arno says life can almost be like a river, right? And if you just go with it and flow, you know, yes, it may take you round and round. You may bump some rocks. You may hit the beach a little bit. You may spin, but there is a flow to it. And somehow you get, you know, carried downstream. There's a saying that says you cannot dip into the same river twice. So life is changing. Life is going and noticing what you notice. I, what was my step one? Step one was, wow, I seem to be passionate about chiropractic. What was that about? And so I met people that talked to me about the philosophy and step one. You know, I always say chiropractic is the easiest, laziest first step because all you have to do is show up and lay down. <laughs> Sometimes the chiropractor will come to you. But if you got to make a smoothie, you have to kind of get the blender out. You know, if you're going for a walk, you got to get the shoes and actually make it down the street. So step one was, man, let me clear my nervous system. And, and through the spine, it's like the original stringed instrument in there. Um, and so I found people that would tune my spine and nerve system that connected all the systems. It's amazing the different people I met that I didn't even know chiropractic and what that was all about and how that would support natural healing. Then I began to meet people that were into juicing and uh, living more with incorporating more plants and um, things that would, there was a mantra um, back in the juicing days that the juice man would say, he would say live food, live bodies, dead food, dead bodies. So it made sense on that journey to meet more people and incorporate more live food since I wanted to be alive and live and keep on going. So noticing what you notice is amazing how you'll meet people along the way um, in that river and that flow um, that will continue to make you grateful for, and listen, a lot of people will say, you don't really know. You don't know what I've been through. Yes, I do. And you're going to meet people that will say, I got you. I got you. I know what you've been through. and man. Let that marinate in your heart because it will stop you in your tracks and you will be able to speak life into somebody because you know that that experience was not wasted, that that is going to land with some force in someone's heart and going to create a quickening or a tsunami of love that will make them actually want to live. So that's, that's a piece right there that um, you will meet people that you will connect with because you have been there. And you know, and I already have on that path. Um, and so that's a notice when you notice. The other piece of that is as you go along, the pieces that I wanted to be outside, the pieces that, um, that I got to be around with other people, and then I started to meet other people that were on you know, kidney dialysis where I, I almost was, starts to, to like pause in a moment to say, wow, um, I really dodged that bullet. Like you said, like with your twenties, let me just continue to, you know, to do. So <clears throat> when I learned that, um, it was time to 
to pause and to see how grateful I was and see how close I came to the edge. And so that, that really welts up some feelings, right? When you come close to the edge like that, it's like, boy, that was close, man. Um, just watch people when they go on a roller coaster. They're pretty relaxed, but when they get off it, they have a lot to talk about. And if you come to the edge with, with someone, it's like, there's a lot to talk about. And so that can really well up some feelings of, wow, that was close. Man, I'm so grateful. And what are you grateful for? When you start to search your heart, it's, it's, it, it can become a short list of like, oh, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful that I get to have a car. I get to have shoes, clothes on my back. But then it can be, I'm grateful for the people that I serve in my office. I'm grateful for my family that was by my side. Just, the list will continue to grow. And so being in the hospital was my heart-centered moment, if you will. So through the heart, we tend to like shift. We tend, it becomes like an anchor point or a pivot point to change direction in our life. And I mentioned, right, falling in love, falling out of love, birth of a loved one, death of a loved one, epiphany or awakening at a concert or in nature. That, those are just ideas. But even today, like music will get me back in my heart space. But being in the hospital, being in that space of gratitude, gets me into my heart and anchors me very quickly to a state that um, they say electromagnetically is five times stronger than the, elect the electrical waves of the brain. Um, there's something powerful about that heart space that will well up emotions. And so none of that stuff you can fake. All that stuff happens by noticing, doing, feeling. And then as you continue to go, pause and see who's coming alongside of you. Who, who's the people that have marked the, the path? Who are the people in the river with you that are, you know, uh, on the sidelines or grabbing you off the, the rocks or helping guide you? So it can be just a, a moment of time to, to, to just be, know that you're alive, right? To just pop our head up from the busyness of life. This is a time, obviously, when we're all having to be quiet and kind of toned down. But um, on that process, the river will continue. Life will continue to flow. And sometimes, you, you know, the way, the way it spits you out or the way you twist and turn, hopefully we can look back to see ahead. So those, are, those are ways through the heart that we can see some of the things that we didn't see in our 20s. Oh, good. I got that. I got to go. I don't have time. See ya. You know, Ryan, your message used to crack me up all the time on your, Hey, this is, that, this is Ryan. I'm on the go. <laughs> Leave a message. And don't forget to be grateful, <laughs> grateful for the day, you know, gratitude. And so how do we learn anything? How does faith come? How does hearing about healing come by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing some more? So Hear from yourself, hear from the connection, you know, vertically, and then horizontally keep these conversations going so that you can keep um, growing. Here we grow again, as our brother Wade says. Um, we can grow, grow like a plant, which needs light, and let's be a light and love into each other's life. Beautiful. And I always remember your... your um, for my audience, I, I teach, I facilitate some seminars with Dr. Jim and he always reminds all of the students and me 
that life is a get to. And you truly heard a story about, you know, when he says that, how, how powerful it really is coming from him is because, you know, there's not many people out there and there also are a lot of people that got to peer over the edge or, or go to the edge, so to speak in their life. And, um, you know, I'm just, I'm grateful that you're here and that you're, you're spreading the message of life as a get to and never forget that people are precious and it's a gift. And, um, thank you for sharing your heart today. And, um, just thank you for being, uh, on life alive. You know, you, you really bring every story brings the alive into life. You know, life is happening. We're all in, we're all healing. We're all have the opportunity to grow. Um, life is the flow that we can choose to be in. And I think what makes it exciting is realizing that, yeah, you got a mouthful of water, you're getting sucked down the stream, but like, that's, that's living, that's alive, you know? And so I just want to thank you for, for being, being a, an advocate for the alive part of life alive. Thanks for being on yeah. today. And that came right out of your, your heart too, Ryan, is to remind us that in being alive and since you're alive, it's like, well, let's get busy just doing one thing that creates momentum. For me, it was get adjusted, get the energy flowing in my body, get enough energy to take the next step. For some people, it could be just getting out of bed and making your bed. Just create a little bit of momentum. And when you say the word alive, it's like, since we're here, since we have a spark of life, you know, let's fan that into flame. Let's continue to grow and know that we're all here in this life together. And we do. I think, you know, in this quarantine, or some people say quarantine time, I think it's such, again, there's so much, uh, you know, creativity that people have come out of just spending time together. But this time is teaching the world, and I heard it time and time again. That since we're alive, part of being alive is being together. And one of that also is touch, the human touch. It's the language of love. So reach out and touch people digitally right now. Reach pe into people's heart and, and touch them by just uh, see what comes out of your mind. You know, if, as, as a, a child, I'd feel this little stirring in my belly. And I was like, oh, it's time to go running down with my allowance and go buy this little clock that was like a music clock for my mom. But I had this, this, you know, alive feeling of like, oh, I got to do it now. And so listen to that. Mm -hmm. And so thank you so much for reminding us, Ryan. And thank you for spending the time to actually care, to put messages out there that we have no idea what we say, think, or do may affect and touch. Even if it's, you know, we say millions of lives, but if it touches one person, mm -hmm. is it enough? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. One of three values of our, our podcasts, hope, purpose, and passion. So thanks for bringing Ooh. hope to one person. I know this is going to touch many lives. Thanks, man. Thank you, my brother. Mm -hmm. Well, there you have it, Life Alive Tribe. He fought for the 1% chance that he was told he had to survive, and he did. Jim, I have known him for over eight years and he serves out of his abundance and gratitude for life. And I'm just hoping that this gave you a little bit of hope to carry on just for today. Take care guys.